was 22 years old. I had just graduated from university with my first degree and I was preparing to go overseas with the International Mission Board of the Southern Baptist Convention and preparing to do what is called the Journeyman Program and uh, went through the process of that uh, program, which is for college graduates who had never been married. It was a two-year program, and as I began that process and, and embarked on that journey, we came to the end of our training in preparation to then be sent to the various countries, uh, dozens and dozens of countries uh, around the world out of our particular group, and they had established a commissioning service for us. And I had heard the word commissioning. I uh, thought I understood what commissioning was, but I'm not sure at that time at 22 years old, even being a college graduate, that I really appreciated the depth and the weight of what was happening in that moment of being commissioned. If you're looking at dictionary, the word commission is defined uh, somewhat like this, to entrust someone with authority for a particular action or function. To entrust someone with authority for a particular function or action. Now here's what the Bible tells us, is that all Christians are commissioned by God to share in the mission of God. In fact, some of Jesus' most famous words were some of his very last words found at the end of the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 28, and we even call it, these, this collection of words, the Great Commission. That as Jesus bodily was preparing to leave this earth, he was giving us a commission to go out and to be engaged in his work. You see, to, to accept a commission from anyone, let alone from God, it is important that we understand who we are and what we have been prepared to do because of our relationships that have been circled around us and circling our lives. You see, to enter into the mission of God, which is for every Christian, it is important that we are aware and deepening our understanding of our relationship with Jesus, because that is what makes the difference in the way that we live in the world. You see, Jesus, too, was commissioned. His baptism was a sort of commissioning and, and a launching out into his ministry. You see, understanding his commissioning and understanding this baptism of Jesus helps us to understand his purpose in the world. And commission comes because that commission is connected to the person and the work that they will go out and do. So when Jesus is baptized, it is a commissioning of sorts out of his identity as God the Son, and out of that identity, he now has been authorized to go out and to do something particular and unique in the world. And it's so important that we understand his purpose in the world. Because if we don't, we might be fooled into thinking that the church is an afterthought of God. And it wasn't part of God's intent and plan to begin with. And that would be an unbiblical understanding of what God is doing in the world through the church, that we are called to live and to work within the church of God. You see, Jesus, the gospel writer of Luke, tells us that Jesus, at a particular point of his life, that he set his face toward Jerusalem. And he did that because this was the purpose for which he had come. This is the purpose for which he is baptized. This is the commission 
that he is given. He would say in the Gospel of John, Jesus, that no one takes my life from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. And if I lay my life down, guess what? I also have the power to take it up again. And that is, of course, a foreshadowing of his death on the cross and his resurrection from the dead. You see, Jesus came to seek and to save those who are far away from God, like me. And like you, perhaps today, or you at one point of your life, he's come to seek and to save those who are far away from God in order to draw them close through the cross and accepting of his forgiveness. You see, the baptism of Jesus is a plunge into his identity because the identity of Jesus is what allows us understanding of his commission and that commission then sends him forth into his ministry. Today we're going to focus on that identity of Jesus that we learn from this baptism moment. And we will learn again about what our identity in Jesus says about you and me. We're in Matthew chapter 3. Matthew chapter 3, last week, uh, we, we looked at John the Baptist and John the Baptist's ministry and how John the Baptist was at the Jordan River and he had been identified as an Old Testament prophet. Uh, he was a, a renewed prophet in the, the spirit of Elijah uh, and uh, John the Baptist is out doing a, a ministry calling people to repentance. He had a ministry of calling people to renewed purity before the Lord. So that God was, uh, he was out, uh, God would be then through the Messiah who would follow John, and God would do his new work of new birth and new creation spiritually in lives. Here's what Matthew chapter 3, verse 13 to 17 says. The Bible reads this. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? Jesus replied, Let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my son, whom I love, with him I am well pleased. You see, Jesus' baptism is a commission for a purpose. A commission for a purpose. I want you to notice in this passage that you, know, you might remember in the Christmas story, right? Mary and Joseph, they find their way from Nazareth to Bethlehem where Jesus is born. God comes and warns them that uh, Herod is going to come to seek to kill the child. So they, uh, they're told to uh, go as refugees down to Egypt and there they stay for a time until the death of Herod the Great. And then they return and they end up settling back in Nazareth. And now Jesus, uh, there's a fast forward here from that moment to John the Baptist's ministry, now into uh, the introduction of Jesus as a, a grown man, about 30 years old, the Bible says. And it says that he came to the Jordan to be baptized by John. I want you to notice that Jesus does not come to this, he doesn't just stumble upon this activity at the river. It wasn't just a picnic and he was hungry and he thought he would go and see if there was any food for him. It wasn't a happenstance. It was on 
purpose that Jesus leaves his home. He comes to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. A couple of summers ago, uh, I was traveling with my family. Uh, part of our journey, we were going halfway across the country, and part of that journey took us through Arizona. And after we had visited the Grand Canyon, we had a little flexibility in our schedule, and uh, we we were able to have, uh, if something caught our eye along the way, we were able to, to detour along the way. And about uh, 30 or so miles out of Flagstaff, uh, heading east, leaving the Grand Canyon, we, we saw, began to see these billboards for something called the Meteor Crater. The Meteor Crater even had an AM radio station you could tune into and learn more about it. And uh, we, we decided, because we had some time, that we would take a detour off the highway and we would go and visit the Meteor Crater. crater. Um, it is one of the largest holes in the United States. Um, it's about three quarters of a mile wide. It's 56 stories deep. So imagine looking up at a building 56 stories tall. That's how deep this crater, uh, formed by a meteorite crashing uh, onto planet Earth. And it's still used by NASA today to train uh, people who uh, uh, would be uh, preparing to go and do moonwalks and other such activities. You see... We, on our trip as a family, we had the flexibility, we had the desire to just, if something caught our eye, we, we desired to go off and to go and visit that. that not, that's not what happened with Jesus here. He was going very intentionally to go to the Jordan River, to go to John the Baptist, to be baptized by him there. Because he is, uh, it is a commissioning activity of his life where there is going to be a, a de demonstrated authority, uh, not, not given at that moment, but, but a recognized authority uh, that we, we learn from the identity of who Jesus is as we continue through the flesh. You see, though Jesus was God in the flesh, as he comes to these people, he is affirming his solidarity with those who are far from God because he's making himself one with them in the process of that salvation of the world. Not that he himself needed salvation, but that he is the one who would eventually provide salvation. So he's identifying himself with the needs of regular uh, humans in this idea. So the, his identity is revealed. You see, we know how important identity is in the world. We know how important identity is in your own life. Because if we don't truly know ourselves, it's really hard to function in the world. Because our sense of identity, who I am as a person, it establishes roots for you and for me, which end up leading to fruitful direction in our life. You see, when, when our roots are firmly established in a, a deep understanding of our identity, it allows us focus for our life. It allows us to engage fully in the life that God is prepared for us in the world. It, it allows and calls out of us a sense of passion and enthusiasm. In fact, the word enthusiasm is based out of the Greek in theos, in God, in Theos, in God, enthusiasm, in Theos. Enthusiasm is this idea of knowing who I am in God, in Theos. 
And when I know God in my life, then it promotes a sense of passion because my life now has purpose, it has meaning, it has direction, it has a flow forward because I now am living for the purpose of God. I'm living with something far bigger in mind than just what I can get out of life. I'm living with something far bigger in mind than just my work life or where I'm going to buy a house or any of these other things that, that, that are all good and well. But there's a bigger purpose to my life that's rooted in my identity in the person of Jesus. You might have noticed that, that after he's baptized, he, he comes up and immediately the Bible is described as the heavens being opened. There's another place in uh, the first chapter of Ezekiel, where the prophet Ezekiel is uh, given this vision from God. The, the, the heavens opened to him. You see, something really amazing is being demonstrated here. It's being communicated to us about the identity of Jesus. Jesus' identity and his relationship as part of the triune Godhead with God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, and how they interact, something important is being communicated to us in this passage. That the heavens, it says, are opened up and the Spirit of God is seen descending upon Jesus. The Spirit of God. In Isaiah chapter 11, uh, chapter uh, 11, the first couple of verses, it is describing the, the promised Messiah, the, the Lord's anointed one who would eventually come in these words, it says, a shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and of understanding. The spirit of counsel and of might. The spirit of the knowledge and fear of the Lord. That's, these are words spoken about the coming Messiah hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus came. And so Jesus, as the, the heavens are opened after his baptism, and, and he sees the Spirit descending on him, uh, it, it is a reference to this prophetic word about the Messiah to come. And then he's also identified here with uh, the suffering servant of Isaiah 42, when the Bible says, Here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him, and he will bring justice to the nations. He will not shout out or cry out or raise his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. In faithfulness, he will bring forth justice. He will not falter or be discouraged till he establishes justice on earth. In his teaching, the islands will put their hope. In ancient understanding, uh, you see this idea of the, the, the spirit descending like a dove. That, that has captured Christian artists through the centuries about this idea of the dove. In ancient understanding, doves uh, were considered to be creatures without bile. Creatures who were therefore clean and creatures who were peaceful and at times became a symbol of Christian virtue and gentleness. And so this idea of the Spirit descending on Jesus like a dove is to, to, to make us think about such things. And in addition to that, in Palestine, uh, the word dove is a favorite nickname of affection. 
even used it up into through the 20th century. It is used as a common name given to girls, especially by Eastern Jewish parents. This idea of, of dove, oh dove, dovey. It's just a, a, an expression of affection. And so I think we're supposed to connect some of these dots with the Spirit. The heavens open up like an Ezekiel. And this, this vision of God and the Spirit of God descends and alights on Jesus like a dove. There, there's, this, there's this connection and we're learning something about the identity of Jesus and, and the belovedness that Jesus is to the Father. And did you notice the words that would be spoken? My, This is my Son whom I love and with Him I am well pleased. That, those are the words that come from the voice that, that cascades down from the heavens. A voice from heaven. This is my son whom I love. Your version, your translation may say, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. You see, we're learning in all of these things about the identity of Jesus and how God the Father thinks about Jesus and how God is giving us a description of the role and identity of Jesus and therefore his commission into the world. You see, we see in, in these verses, we see God the Father, we understand God the Son, and we hear the voice of God uh, uh, the Father and, and the Spirit descending. So God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, uh, and I think we are supposed to make associations of our understanding of God being a triune being, a trinity. Three persons in one God. Three persons that are distinguishable but inseparable. It is one God who always has been in relationship with himself. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And God the Father is affirming that uh, connection and the unity we see in the triune God in this moment. And we see this wrapped in their eternal relationship that God the Father, God the Son... Uh, and Jesus comes to redeem a broken people, a broken people, and to invite them into this relationship and this life of love that is forever and ever. That is the commission and the role of Jesus. You see, when you and I are deeply, when we under deeply understand and fully embrace our identity in Jesus and our understanding of what it means to live in his kingdom purpose, it provides for us, just like it did for Jesus, a sense of focus. So uh, he, he would issue the, the direction and guidance and, and the wrong motivation of other people in his life. He would say no to certain things that would set him off course of his commission because he came with a purpose. That's why he could set his face toward Jerusalem and nothing would deter him. That's why he would delay uh, certain things uh, uh, until the right time had come. You see, Jesus knew what it was to be focused and to be gay, engaged in his life and, and to have a sense of passion for that which he is commissioned to do. And so you and I, as you understand your identity in Jesus and you understand your belovedness in Christ Jesus and that God has so loved not just the world, but God has loved you so much that he would come in God the Son, God the Son would come into the world out of love for you, 
And then he would go all the way to a cross to die for you. And in his resurrection on Easter Day, he comes to tell you and to, to point out the fact that he really can't forgive your sin if you would confess that to him. This is why we are able to focus as we understand our identity. We're able to focus ourselves on the kingdom of God and what Jesus is doing in us and in us as a church and what he wants to do through us as a church into the world around us. We can engage fully and deeply and joyfully into the work of God. And then he provides a refurbished enthusiasm because we too are living in theos, enthusiastically into the realities and walk of God. That's why we as a church are doing this study together, this uh, 10-week group curriculum together called Rooted because it is an opportunity to connect to God, to the church, and to your purpose more fully and deeply. And in this new year, especially in the shadow of COVID and, and all of the separation that it's caused and all of the disturbance and disruption of life, I can think of no better way to call us together and to renew our lives before the Lord and to understand the uniqueness of our life and our purpose in God, our connection to the church and our loving of the Lord Jesus than through this time together in groups. You are so loved by God that Jesus has come into the world for you. You are so loved by God that Jesus has come. He was commissioned on purpose, and his purpose was to go to the cross to die in your place. He lived a life that you nor I could ever live, and he died a death that was our death to die. Yet he did it in our place to take the sin and the penalty of your sin onto himself. Back in 2006, Sister Madonna Buter spoke to triathletes at Ironman Canada. And when she was invited to speak, she was not invited just to come and to give some simple trite invocation over those athletes. She herself was a fellow participant. Six years later, in 2012, Sister Madonna would become the world record holder in her age group and the oldest person at 82 years old to complete the 2.4-mile swim, the 112-mile bike, and the 26.2-mile triathlon. She's known as the Iron Nun, Sister Madonna Muter. And her message, six years later, 2006, to that group of triathletes gathered there, this is what she told them on the night before their race. She said, tomorrow... When things get tough out there, remember, you were loved into existence. If you get discouraged and want to quit, if you get injured and can't finish, if things don't go the way you hope, even though you have trained for this day for months or even years, even then, remember, you were loved into existence. Beloved, before Jesus ever performed a miracle, before he ever taught his first lesson or called others to follow him, he was reminded of God the Father's love for him through that voice that said, This is my Son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. I want to remind you today that you were loved 
into existence. And it is for love that Jesus has come to call you and to rename you and to give you a renewed identity. And today, I want to remind you that if you're sensing isolation because of of these days of COVID that linger and linger and linger beyond any credible length of time, remember that your identity is in Jesus Christ. And remember that you are loved. This day, if your marriage has grown cold, I want to remind you of your identity in Jesus and that you are loved and that God can restore and renew your marriage today. If you're parenting, I want to call you and remind you to keep focused, to keep your energy tuned in on reminding and demonstrating to your kids that in Jesus, they too can have an identity that they are loved in Jesus. And then parents, would you invite them into the relationship, the full life that Jesus offers to them? Invite them to confess their sin and to turn from it and to give their whole life for the rest of their life in trust and obedience to Jesus. Beloved, what our county needs, what our state of California needs, what our country and the world needs is to know that they are loved by Jesus and that Jesus came and when he was baptized, he was commissioned with the cross in mind. The cross is no accident. The cross did not happen because people rejected him. That was the very reason for which he came, to redeem and to restore broken people who are wandering far from God. This is the reason Jesus has come into his world, and this is the reason Jesus comes today and knocks at the door of your heart. Because he wants to reshape you, and he wants to give you his name, and he wants to claim you as his own, and to adopt you as a son or a daughter into his good family. And he wants to give you a renewed purpose and and a renewed focus in life. And he wants to give you a renewed sense of passion and enthusiasm. This entheos living that only comes as you understand your identity wrapped up in the identity of Jesus. And that the goal of your life is to see more of the personality of Jesus formed in you and coming out of you in every facet of your life. So that you can be a full participant in the work of his church and in the goal of his kingdom until he would come back again to claim those who are his own. And so today is an opportunity in this new year to evaluate who you really are and to evaluate today how God is shaping your life. So I want to invite you as we pray to ask God that question, to seek God and to say, God, I want you to shape me in my living. God, I ask you today, once you come and and, and give a renewed sense of focus and, 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 and a new energy into my life today, help me to live with a sense of passion and enthusiasm that only comes and it flows out of my ever deepening identity in Jesus. In Jesus. And that when someone asks for a description of who I am, 
May the very first thing that flows over my lips and off of my tongue, may it be that I delight in following Jesus. And that gives shape to everything else about me. About my being an adult child, about my being a married person, about my singleness, about my work life, about my school life, and uh, studying in my classroom, about how I interact with my siblings at home, how I engage in my marriage, how I uh, engage with the neighbors around me, God. These are the things that you've called me to know and to understand, but it only comes as I understand my identity of being beloved in your eyes. And being called to repentance, called to forgiveness, called to confess my sin, and called to follow faithfully as you would guide me and us together. So we pray this day that you would help us to examine how you are giving shape to our living. And we pray in the name of Jesus together for your glory and for our good God. We pray because you are such a good Good, Father.